welcome to the Smarter Building Materials Marketing Podcast, helping you find better ways to grow leads, sales, and outperform your competition. All right, everybody, welcome to Smarter Building Materials Marketing, where we believe your online presence should be your best salesperson. I am Zach Williams, and we have a killer show lined up for you today. We have Chad Davies, who's the owner of Davies Imaging Group on the show with us today. He will not tell you this, but he recently got awarded, I think it's 40 under 40 on Pro Builders list. He is a phenomenal photographer and has a great team who's going to be talking to us about imagery, how this can impact how you sell. What does this mean for your marketing as you're heading next year? Chad, welcome to the show. Glad to have you here. Thank you so much. I'm very excited to talk to you and your audience. You guys are doing amazing things for the industry. I think this is a perfect match. Chad, I'm really excited to have you on the show. You and I were chatting before we started recording about how you recently got dubbed the official photographer of the home building industry, quote unquote. <laughs> and so for somebody who sees so many different homes being built and built environments from an architectural standpoint, I'm really excited to chat with you. For our listeners, give us a quick 30,000 foot view of what you do, your business, who you interact with, who you sell to, and then we'll go from there. Would love that. We'll start from the top. I started this business when I was 17 years old. I was a senior in high school. Started shooting for an interior designer. Did that part-time through college. Graduated with a degree in math and econ, not photography. And decided like, hey, I really like this photography business. I like working with developers. I'm going to focus on that. So we started Davies Imaging Group back in 2016. And from there, we've just been focused on large corporate home building companies. And then kind of as we've grown, we've also gotten into the more commercial architecture route as well. So we do a lot of workplace environments, a lot of healthcare, a lot of life sciences. We do everything, anything that's built. So our business now spans multiple states. I think we have photographers in six states now, and we're photographing stuff nonstop. It's a crazy growth trajectory at this point. When you're talking to a builder and or an architect. I want to talk about both of those people because you're interfacing and working with each of them. What are the things that they're telling you, Chad, about a shoot that they're going to do? Hey, we have a, let's say a new development, or we have a home we're trying to sell or something like that. What are the things that a builder is telling you? And then can you give me that same exact answer from an architect who's, let's say, trying to sell to a developer? You know, it's interesting because we've been working with these clients for long enough each of these sub industries, right? You have like home building that's very directed at a consumer audience. They're selling new houses to people that want to buy, which is super hot right now because it's the only house that's available. And then on the other side, we're working with architects that are doing like workplace environments that are selling to developers and trying to get credibility for the next project. And they're two very different audiences and they command different requirements. So I would say it's nuanced, but you almost have to go into those conversations knowing your client. And there's not a lot of discovery anymore, especially in the home building side, because they expect us to know what they want. We have to be mind readers. And that just comes through experience. And we're actually at a point where we're suggesting things they should be doing going into the shoot to make sure it's prepared correctly. And we're saying, hey, like, have you considered doing this and this and this? And we're coming from a place of credibility at this point. And the whole idea is just to get a home buyer to stop the scroll. When they're flipping through Zillow or they're online looking for new houses, we want them to stop and like, that's unique. That's interesting. I want to see more. It's a very different approach where in the commercial side of the business, I think it's more storytelling than it is on the home building side because you're photographing these two or three or million square foot projects. And there's a lot of complexity there. And some of it's really boring. Some of it's a whole bunch of desks, but sometimes there's some interesting components that clients 
company history into the building or something they're doing internally in terms of reorganizing their people and their structure and making their office accommodate those changes. So one of it is more like artful, I would say, storytelling, like, let's see, we can pull all these elements together in a set of 10 pictures. The other side is how do we get someone to fall in love with this house before they see it? And they're both similar, but they're not. My background is art and design too. So like, this is interesting to me, Chad, because you're trying to sell an idea to different audiences. And so what I'm curious about in this, if I take builders or architects, are they coming to you and they're like, hey, this is my target audience. I need you to photograph this in a way that sells the house or creates this feeling. Or do they literally with you, Chad, are they just saying, hey, I've seen your work. It's really great. Can you like photograph this space? Can you give me a little bit of detail around what they're looking for? This is more company specific. So like on the builder side of the business, home builders generally have a look. Usually they have a look because they've done it successfully for a long time. But very luxury builders, we marketing to generally an older audience, a move up buyer, a move down buyer, but a nice home. And because we're shooting for us an older demographic, the actually photography style changes a little bit. And it looks a little bit more like what you would see in hospitality photography. And it's a little bit warmer where there's a lot of intersecting light and you're doing more to dress up those images. And I feel like on the opposite side of the market, you have a much cleaner, precise, cooler, lighter feel with all of like the entry-level homes, which is more on trend with a younger buyer, right? So you want like the simple modern type of look, generally speaking, for a younger buyer, and it gets a little more complex the more luxurious it goes. So on that side of things, the builder kind of has their own brand and you're doing photography to hopefully match what their intent is. On the other side, it's tough. It's project by project. But when the architect's really good and we work with really good architects, they will say, look, this is the project. This is their history. This is what we're going for. And sometimes they're really into like showing collaboration. So you want to show like context on top of areas where people can have interactions. Sometimes it's really just design driven and there's a couple of elements they threw up on the wall and they're like, hey, this is a boring space, but like these areas make it look more lively. Let's just focus there. So I, I would say it's less demographic driven from my experience on the commercial side, it's more like, here's the work we did. How do we show that work in a way that's the most compelling? And at the end of the day, I only have a couple tools. I can like put the camera somewhere and I can put a light somewhere. Everything else is experience. Talk me through AI. We're starting to see a lot of AI imagery come up. Up to this point, it's been very much around, okay, there's photography, and then we see 3D visuals coming in. Those 3D visuals are done by an animator in some capacity, but we're starting to see the intelligence around AI and photography in the visual format start to accelerate. Are you fighting this? Are you seeing that there's an opportunity? Like, What are you seeing in the marketplace around this? I don't think AI is going to replace photography for a while. I think it does an okay job in certain realms. So if you're creating accessory images or accessory content where it's not like the hero of your campaign, it's not like this is my product, but it's imagine using the product in these ways, that secondary type of content, I think if AI, you can generate some pretty believable things. And my bet is that stuff will have a low shelf life. You're going to use it once or twice and then forget about it. It'll go on a blog, it'll go on a social media post, and that's it. I don't think we're at a point yet where AI is going to be replacing like the photography you lean on for two or three years. I think that's because there's a sense of realism that's lost. AI isn't able to make super believable assets yet. It's getting really close really quickly. 
But if you build a $20 million building, are you going to ask AI to model that building for you? You're going to plug in some plans and hope it comes up with something real? Or are you going to send someone out just to take a picture of the $20 million building? That's what we're dealing with is accessory stuff, sure. But like when you want to show the finished thing, when you want to show the finished project or the finished material or finished furnishing, getting a real picture of it generally works pretty well. How are you thinking about using AI? Like the thing I hear from a lot of people in different crafts is that AI isn't going to replace my craft or the thing that I do, but it's going to accelerate the production or it's going to help me do this certain thing a little bit more quickly. So if you look at what you're doing right now, Chad, and like you zoom out even a few years, what are you using it for and or what are you hoping to use it for that you think will make your craft or make the end product better for a builder, an architect, or even a building product manufacturer? It's a great question. I'll give you how we're using it and I'll give you some instances where it's actually becoming useful for us immediately. We're using it every day already. Photoshop has like a generative AI fill function where you can just select something and tell it to generate without even giving it a prompt. And it'll just fill in the thing with something better. So from a retouching perspective, like getting rid of ugly stuff in your photos, it's incredible. It does such a good job of finding where the light is coming from in the scene and matching it. It is almost like having your own instant 3D rendering team in-house. So for little stuff, AI is incredible for retouching. We're using it for background generation. So sometimes we're shooting brand new developments where it's nothing but dirt and construction all the way around. We have to do replacements of the views. So instead of seeing a building with scaffolding through the window right next door, we're replacing that with either some type of landscape or we're replacing that with something that will be there in five years. So we're enhancing our photos through AI right now. And I think it's much, much faster to use it than to go cobble those assets together yourself or go use the clone stamp and the healing brush and the patch tool and blend all these kind of nuanced tools from Photoshop together to retouch your photo. So I would say we're seeing a lift already in productivity. We're turning photos around faster, which is great because clients get their stuff faster. Also, it just sits on our desk for less time. I remember when Content Aware Phil came out years ago. And for our listeners, Content Aware Phil, if you don't know what this is, you know, Chad, you just mentioned patching and cloning and stamps and things like that. It's like a very manual way of retouching an issue. So imagine you've got a wonderful photo of, let's say, a house, and then there's a random, I don't know, under construction sign. You would have to like manually try to remove that without it looking very janky. And then Content Aware Fill came out, and you're like, oh, I'm just going to select the thing I want to remove, right click on it, and click Content Aware Fill, and it's gone. It just kind of knows that you want to remove it. But with generative AI, it's gotten even better. It's not just removing something to make the scene look a little bit better. It's inserting things into the scene. Oh, yeah. If you have an empty table, for instance, and this might violate some copyright stuff, but we'll get into that later. You get an awesome picture of a living room and it has incredible flooring and you're the flooring manufacturer. But you want something on the table because it looks kind of empty. You can just highlight the table and then type in add succulent and then it will put in a potted succulent plant that looks like real life on the table in like 10 seconds. If you want to dress up your photos or remove something or change something, like there's a big wrinkle in the back of the couch, instant. It elevates all of your assets really quickly. And if you're doing minor retouching, it's awesome. <laughs> if you're going to update other people's photographs, I would make sure you have permission to do that first. They might get angry at you, but there's a lot to unpack on that side of things. Okay, so let's talk about that. Let's talk about copyright. Tell me what you think about what you just said around, I grab someone's photo, I use generative AI. What are the copyright implications of this? 
I'm just trying to imagine if this happened to us, what we would do. Okay, let's unpack this for a second, because I think copyright is this like scary word that people don't really understand. So let's take three steps back. Copyright is, I won't say unique to the United States, but the United States really made it a powerful tool, especially for creative people. It protects the creator and assigns them ownership to whatever they make by default. So if a photographer takes a picture of your project in the United States, that photographer owns those pictures to your project. And unless they reassign the rights to you in writing through a contract, they actually own those pictures forever. You can purchase the right to use those rights or usage or people use copyright as shorthand. You can purchase a lease, essentially. You can rent those photos from that photographer, but you do not own them. And this is the same with music and movies and anything creative where you're creating an asset for the world to see. Companies can only use those assets if they have permission. If they don't have permission, and let's say I see that you're using our photos on your website, we'll just have a lawyer go reach out to you and say, please take those down or here's the bill. And then if nothing happens, it could escalate into a legal issue. This is standard. I didn't make this up. We are protected as photographers and creative people by law. This is our right. And I feel like companies in the social media age think it's okay to screenshot and post something without the photographer's permission. If the photographer is savvy enough or is angry enough, <laughs> they will go after you. Sometimes they'll just say, hey, don't do that. And many of them do that because you wouldn't have any business if you were that bad guy every single day. But technically, it's within our right to go after you if you use images or assets that you don't have permission to use. What do you see as the biggest thing for companies, manufacturers, for that matter, for them to be thinking about in reference to copyright? Like, hey, copyright, as you said, can be a scary word. Like, what do I actually need to care about and think about here when I'm thinking about the photography or imagery that I'm using in my marketing collateral? Whatever pictures you're using on your website, make sure you have some type of contract from the photographer or an invoice that says you paid and it lists the terms of use of the photos on the invoice. Sometimes that's an easy way to do it. We've done it that way for a long time on a lot of our projects. Bigger projects, we now get complex with a contract. Make sure you have the rights to use them. If you don't know where they are, if you don't know who took the picture, like that's maybe a risk that you don't know you have on your books. So I would make sure you know who took all the photos that you're using regularly, that your marketing content like stands on. The images on your homepage, I would really make sure you know who took those and make sure you have the right to use them on your homepage. And that's just out of respect for the photography industry, but also like your own self-interest. They could come and see you for a lot of money, like $10,000 a violation, no brainer. So like if you have five pictures that are used incorrectly, like someone could sue you for a considerable amount of money. So I would be careful of that. Number two, when you're going and getting new photography assets, this architect did this incredible project. I love the photos. I want them. Make sure you're purchasing the photos through the photographer, not through the architect. And if the architect owns the photos, make sure they have proof of ownership of those photos, not an invoice paid, but make sure they know that they need to actually own the copyright or have the copyright assigned to them so they can distribute that because third-party distribution generally violates most contracts. So like someone buys them and then gives them to someone else big violation. Whoever is giving them away is going to get hit with a huge fine. And then you might be too. It's only scary because people get punched in the mouth by it. It's not that scary if you think about it because someone's livelihood is making those images, making those photos or the video or the music. That's their whole job. So if you're going and using their work for free, that'd be like me walking into your warehouse, taking a whole bunch of materials and saying, well, like, 
I repurpose those materials it's on a house. Yeah, what's going on? <laughs> it's tough. Construction doesn't really operate this way. Architecture kind of does, but like it's not a hard asset. It's intellectual property, so it operates a little bit differently. There's a huge can of worms there. Just some homework. Look at your homepage. Make sure you know who did the photography. I think that's that's a no brainer. <laughs> Chad, man, thank you so much for coming on the show today. This has been super helpful. If our listeners want to connect with you or reach out, what's the best way for them to do that? I'm super active on LinkedIn. Chad Davies going to pop up there for sure. And then my website is daviesimaging.com. And you can see most of our work there. I will say it's not the most recent stuff, but within the last six months. So definitely go there, check out what we're doing. If you have any questions or need recommendations, I don't charge for advice. I will point you in the right direction. So thank you for having me. Awesome, Chad, man. Thank you again. And for our listeners, if you enjoyed this episode, make sure you like, share, and review our podcast. And if you want more information, check us out at venvio.com slash podcast to subscribe and get more. Until next time, I'm Zach Williams. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.